Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And how are you guys doing? Welcome over here. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend hanging out with your dad. If you guys have one still around, mine passed away about, uh, I don't know, how many years ago? 14, 15 years ago? Quite a, quite a bit. God, no, more than that. 2007. If you got to spend time with them, if you didn't, uh, that sucks. Uh, you probably should have. Uh, I took a break this weekend to actually hang out with my daughter because it was Father's Day. And I hope you guys did as well, if, if you could. I was just kind of making a joke there. I don't know. Got some dark humor. Anyway, um, with that being said, we're going to kick this thing off. I'm probably going to cut back on the amount of videos we do on this channel. Over the next couple of weeks to months, we're going to be putting a lot of the stuff over on the podcast side of things. So if you guys are not over there, you guys need to. I'm going to be doing more exclusive stuff, longer form stuff over there pertaining to pretty much the world and, and Ukraine and just everything in life. So go over there. It'll be linked at the top of the description. You guys can go follow on all podcast platforms. All right. So the Russian Federation has actually warned the NATO member Lithuania that unless the transit of goods to Russia's Kaliningrad on the Baltic Sea, that is, was swiftly restored, then Moscow would actually take undisclosed measures to defend its national interests. Now, the Kremlin spokesperson actually stated that Russia's military is actually preparing a retaliatory measure. I have no idea what that means. So apparently they're preparing these measures with haven't been disclosed clearly. And they're talking about a NATO country here. Now, the Kremlin spokesman also stated that the situation is more than serious, which honestly, I don't exactly understand fully what that means because, I mean, serious, what, what is next? Super serious? I mean, like, what, like, I'm being, I'm being honest. Like, what, what is next? NATO <laughs> nuclear serious. <laughs> I don't know what, what are those past serious. So they're claiming that this is openly hostile towards Russia, which is nothing more than the following the sanctions that we all know are, are pretty much going on. And if this is considered openly hostile, then what they're doing inside of Ukraine is considered what? Okay. Aren't they blocking a ton of grain from being exported out of the country, which is going to affect the entire planet? So they're, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it, it just, they do one thing, and then when somebody else does something to them, they're like, ah, oh, you know what? You can't do that. It is not. It is. We're, we're going to do something about it. Anyway, Ukrainian officials are reporting that earlier this morning, Ukrainian forces actually used missiles to target a number of natural gas platforms that are actually inside the Black Sea coast, known as Books Towers. Now, these platforms were actually captured by the Russian forces after the invasion of Crimea back in 2014. So they're just going after the natural resources that the Russians actually sucking out of the earth. That's pretty much it. Now, we know that the Russians actually been targeting food supplies over the past month pretty regularly inside of Ukraine. Now, the main lady from RT, okay, she's, you guys have seen her multiple, multiple, multiple times, if you guys watch over on the channel, has actually stated that famine will now start and they will actually have to lift the sanctions and be friends with us because they realize that it's impossible not to be friends with us. So just so everyone is aware who is listening right now, this isn't really going to affect us here in the United States or really like the UK, France or Germany or really just any highly developed country for that matter. Now, the percentage of weed imports that's actually coming from Ukraine or grain imports that are coming from Ukraine to other countries is very high. Moldova, 92%. Lebanon, 81%. Qatar, by the way, is a very wealthy country. They're sitting at 64%. Libya, 48%. Pakistan, 48%. And Indonesia, 29%. So in the end, the West is actually going to have to fork over some of its supplies to these countries in need or they're going to starve like let's just be honest 
And this is what's going to start affecting the cost of goods sold here in America, which brings me back to the question I asked last week. How long are regular Americans going to want to continue to fork out cash to help facilitate the war inside of Ukraine? you got election cycles that are coming up, and we all know the Republican Party is going to utilize the high spending as a talking point. Like, that is going to be a thing. 2022, the end of this year, midterm elections, we got 2024 coming up. They're going to utilize all this kind of stuff, you know, just for talking pieces. Then we're going to, for sure, cause some of the issues within the Democratic Party to actually concede and stop spending like they have been. And it's kind of crazy if you guys think about this, this all actually stems back to grain. I mean, I don't know. I just, when, I, when I was thinking about this stuff, I was like, in the end, the election cycles here are going to be, well, they're going to talk about the amount of spending that's going on in Ukraine, which actually this whole piece is stemmed from grain. All right, so we're going to be starting up in the Kharkiv region. If you guys are new, this is going to be just on the main border of Russia, kind of on the northern edge of this uh, this conflict right now. Now, the Russian army was able to retake the town of Aseli and has attempted a few more probing attacks to try to find a weak point to get closer to Kharkiv. So this is Vaseli right here. All right, they've been, they have an element that's been trying to push south, hasn't been penning out so far. Now, the Ukrainian military has actually repelled multiple attacks over the weekend on Rubizine. So we're going to push a little bit east. Here's Rubizine. All right, so I now have edited and put a big yellow clear area. I guess you would say yellow clear. That doesn't make any sense. But you guys see the stained yellow circle? That area is heavy fighting. Okay, now there's heavy fighting that's taken on right now just outside the city. Now, the real question here is very obvious. The Russian military is not capable currently of taking Kharkiv. If they were able to do this, they would have done this in the first attempt like months ago. Now, if I was a gambling man, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I believe they're trying to get their men within range in hopes to hit the city with artillery to continue to demoralize the civilian population within inside this area. I mean, there's only so long a civilian population can actually take shelling, you know, over and over and over again. These people are going to want to get back to living a daily life. I don't believe it's going to happen. I honestly don't. They haven't been able to push south out of these three areas. Remember, they did this about four or five days ago. The Russians actually tried to push south. They took some of the areas. Uh, they held them for like 12 hours, and then an assaulting element pushed back through the Ukrainian area, and they were able to re-secure these areas. So I don't think, man, how many times did I just say areas right there? I just said that at least 20 times, and I? <laughs> I just now realizing that. Anyway, short story right here. The Russians, they couldn't get through. They sucked it up. They lost the area. That's pretty much it. We're done. We're moving a little bit south here. I will say there was a VDV element that actually tried to push into Truheev on these. They moved a little bit southwest out of this area. They were actually pushed back in there, so nothing really happened. Just wanted to show you guys. That's pretty much the only movement along this line that's happened in months, honestly. So just outside of Izium, right here, this area has been heavily contested. They actually lost this city for a few hours, roughly 12-ish hours as Ukrainian forces, but they pushed back through over the weekend, and they have resecured it. There's still heavy fighting going in this area. Bohodarin, Bohosarin, this area right here. All right, heavy, heavy fighting taking place. Now, that's pretty much all that's happened. I know the men that are inside of Lyman, they secured, or excuse me, sustained heavy, heavy, heavy losses. That is on the Russian side of things. And they have been regrouping, and they're waiting to actually make it another push back towards Slovenask. The big thing they're going to have to run into is going to be this area right here. We know there's hillsides on either side of this main route that's leading into the city. That's going to make it very difficult for the Russians to actually push into Slovenask. So the best course of action for them is, of course, going to be coming down this main route. The Ukrainians know this. The Russians know it. Me here in America getting all my stuff on Osnit, I'm telling you, well, it, that's where they're going to have to come. All right, pushing over to Severe Nadesk. I'm going to switch over to a close-up map. Quite a bit close-up. So here we go. This is what we got going on. Quite a bit going on over the last 24 hours here, to be honest with you guys. Like, a lot. So, 
out the gate. Over the weekend, both Russia and Ukraine have continued to conduct heavy artillery bombardments on both the northern, northeastern, and southern side of Severe Nadesk. Okay, so literally almost all the way around the city. Ukrainian forces have likely suffered desertions in the recent weeks, but Russian morale isn't really uh, isn't really going to remain too high. Now, and also very troubled. There has also been cases of whole Russian units refusing orders in armed standoffs between officers and their troops. I know this is kind of this is kind of crazy to say out loud, by the way. Now, the Russian authorities have been struggling when it, when it comes to actually bringing on legal pressure on these men, these Russian men who have been causing some of the issues with this invasion, by the way, because of the status of the war. It's being labeled as a special military operation and not a war. So they're actually having, which is kind of ironic in a sense, they're having legal issues on bringing down some of these men who are causing them issues within the ranks. Very strange, I know. I don't even know how I found this. It's one of those kind of things that I just stumbled upon. I just kept reading through and it just brings you into a darker, darker, darker hole. You're like, God, what are, where are we going with this? You guys ever went, been down one of those, those tunnels on YouTube? I call them the rabbit holes. You end up like, you start, you start by watching a mowing grass video for some reason. You end up watching somebody fish and then for, somehow you ended up on a cat video. <laughs> then somehow it ends back over to some World War II of Nazis. And you're like, what the, <laughs> what just happened? Whoa, what just happened? Anyway, so within this area, in Severnitas, the morale is extremely low due to poor leadership, which we've actually seen this entire war. No time to rotate the men in and out of the theater for rest, extremely high casualty rates, and poor logistics. This is in Severnitas, by the way. We're still inside this area. They've also been somewhat confused, by the way, about the total objective of the war currently. Because I know if I was there and I was in their shoes, I'd be, so, I'd be extremely confused. Would, would you not be really confused right now? What, what is the end goal? What are we here? What are we doing? Like, just think about that for a second. Men around you are constantly dying. You're being shelled 24-7. You don't have enough supplies or food or anything to stay comfortable. Why would you honestly want to continue with no knowledge of what the end goal is and what you are trying to accomplish? So in Iraq and Afghanistan, I knew what my end goal was. I was there for a certain amount of time. And with that time being, I was supposed to clear out as many bad guys as we possibly could. And well, in not as good areas. And, and that's pretty much it. We, we restored the areas back to normalcy to the local population. That's pretty much it. That's what we did. We'd move on, we'd go about our way, and we'd find the next area. They needed to get out and beneath the thumb of the Taliban. That's pretty much it. Now, think about what the Russians are. They really, what are they doing? Like, there was also this leaked letter that came out from the acting commander of the entire 41st Combined Arms Army asking the Siberian mayor to crowdfund underwear and toilet paper for his troops. Yes, that thing you guys are currently seeing on screen right now that I'm overlaying, if you're on the YouTube channel, is that document. It is the most goofy thing. I, I, I don't even know. So, I mean, we're talking about underwear. Like, I don't know if that was just propaganda or not, but it seemed like a pretty official document asking for underwear and toilet paper. So there's also some reporting, by the way, that the Russian military has reached the Donetsk River. So now we're going to get a little more serious now. All right, we're going to peel back into the city. A lot going on here. So this is the area I'm talking about right there. So there's been reports that it actually reached this. Just north of the P-66 route, but as we all know, the bridges leading across have been blown. Okay, now, the Russians are currently pushing through two separate areas, by the way. The first one we just spoke about being north of the P-66 Highway. Now, the second one is actually coming out of Lizna Dacha, which is just right here. So they're coming around two separate areas, two separate sides, that is. They have secured a little bit more ground. This red area you guys see right here was added over the weekend. Now, Russian forces have taken or retaken the town of Medicline, which is on the most eastern side of the city. Okay, now, I do believe those forces did pull back here. Now, we have an element of Ukrainian forces who is actually kind of wedged between uh, oncoming Russian forces, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, coming out of Verona and Borovsky. 
So these troops are going to have to find, I don't know where they're going to go right now. I would not want to be in their situation. They're going to have to find a way to peel back across the Severski Nest. I told you guys weeks and weeks ago, I do not believe that holding the city was, was any like tactical advantage. It was in the low ground. It's going to be hard to defend. And Liz Chansk itself was just a much, much better off area. Now, it is possible that Ukrainian forces have adjusted their front line inside of this area due to the purpose of, like, exhaustion, but it more than likely has to do with the inability to actually get supplies and reinforcements to those areas uh, that are maintaining to hold it, okay? Now, I said weeks ago, like I, like I was just talking about, that I thought that they were just wanting to inflict as much damage as they possibly could to the Russians before retreating back into Lizchans. Like, I believe this is it. I think they should have maintained the high ground at the gate, which, honestly, this could be their next strategy. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm just giving you guys my perspective and everything that I'm finding out on the ground. This main area still hasn't changed in the center of the city. There's still heavy, heavy fighting going on in there. It's like no man's land. But this one pocket of you, you know, let me let me clean this up. That one pocket of Ukrainians, that's the ones I'm talking about right there in the center. They're gonna have to find a way, I believe, back into Lizchansk. That's that's literally all I can I can imagine. Okay. Now is holding off that piece of the city really worth it, or is Lizchansk the easiest area to hold off and plan for a counteroffensive when the time is right? Okay. I'm not I'm not saying that. All the men who have died inside this area died in vain. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just asking right now, the current situation is holding that one chunk of the city. Is it worth it? Now, the Russians have actually captured the two towns, Vernov and Borovsky. Now, they begin pushing their men northwest and west out of this area. That's why I'm saying. So you have a men or a group of, of Ukrainians right here. They're now going to get hit by the, the forces coming out of these two areas of the Russians who are now pinching them off of Luna, Dacha, and and coming out of Verov and Borovsky. So these men are going to have to find a way back over into Liz Chance, if that possible. And then you have another thing that's happening. As I've been making this video, which we'll talk about here in a second. It's just coming out of Papazna. Okay. Now, the Russians were actually able to secure uh, and hold the town of Rubika, okay, which gives them access to the roads leading into the northern side of Hirsky. So this main road that I'm talking about right here. Okay. Now, that's not really their biggest problem. Now, coming out of the same area, they started an element that's pushing north to try to secure the town of Mikolovica, which is just on the outskirts of the, the main route T-1302, okay? Now, this is just happening as I am actually recording this episode, but the Russian military has just broke through the defensive lines in Tashavika, okay? Now, this is what I was just talking about here a second ago. This is going to become kind of a big issue for the men that are up there inside of Liz Chance and Severnodesk. Now, this is not a good thing for the Ukrainian military. And I expect them to actually withdraw the rest of the troops inside of Severodonetsk myself. I, I do believe this, uh, to actually help the, re and help the southeast side of Liz Chance and cover their southeastern flank. Now, this P-66 route is the one and only way into the city right now, and it is going to be the weakest point. So right now, there's a lot of fighting coming out. And like I said, the Russians have actually been able to push through this defensive line, which I will say, I've read many, many, many reports that there's a lot of Russians that are being pushed into this area right now to make this push up to Severodonetsk because they're tired I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. It's kind of embarrassing, and they're tired of not controlling the city right now. Now, I'm going to switch over to the 3D map so you guys can actually see what I'm talking about. This is the main route that P-66 that is coming out of. So there's Borovsky and Verov. There's Hirsky. So here is the area I'm talking about. There's Tashavika. This is the area they just took. So when you go across these hills, this is the main route that leads into uh, Liz Chance. Now, one of the things here, Liz Chance is still on the main high ground, but as they do move through here, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to deal with a bunch of hills and valleys, and you got a whole bunch of trees and wooded areas. It's still not going to be difficult. They're going to sustain many, many losses as the Russians as they push forward. 
Now with the breakout that's actually happened in Toshavika, this is making me realize that the chances of the men inside of Zolti being encircled has now greatly increased. That's the other thing. So you have the men that broke out from here. Okay, now they can actually push down and take over Hirski and now encircle the men around Zoluti. Now, I really don't know whether Ukrainians are going to be able to get reinforcements inside of this area. I don't know if they've been able to do it. I really don't. Um, I think that this town, Zoloti, they're gonna these men inside this area, if they cannot hold it off, the best course of action here is probably going to regroup, retreat. Back. I think Liz Chance is probably their best bet to hold off right now because you do not want these men inside of Zoloti. Like, you don't want to give up valuable resources. And right now, from the looks of it, from the outside looking in, as of today, as we are making this episode, it does not look very good on the eastern side of Ukraine. Like, it really doesn't. This whole area seems to be collapsing fairly quick. And I think it has to do with overpowering amount of men on the Russian side of things because they just have, they're, they're able to actually allow their men to become cannon fodder and casualties, and they're able to get resources inside there as in just ammunition, that is, in reinforcements. While the Ukrainians, on the other hand, don't have as many men, it's just... <sighs> I don't know. I wouldn't want to be inside this area right now. This one area just does not look very pleasant. So we're going to move over to Kirsten. If you guys are new, let me go ahead and get this other map up and going. So we were just sitting, excuse me, we were just sitting up inside of this area talking about Zolote, Hirski, and Tushviko. So we're going to be sliding all the way over here. All right. There's been, there's been a lot going on, as you guys can tell, all along this front. Okay. A lot of offensive movements have been, have been happening by the Ukrainian forces. So what I can see that what's going on inside of Kyrgyzstan is that the Russians have actually mounted a massive counteroffensive to try and regain some of the ground that they've lost over the last few days, but have been unsuccessful in doing so thus far. Now, I do believe the 49th CAA, the Combined Arms Army, that's CAA, and the 22nd Army Corps of the Russian military have actually been regrouping from the northern part of this area that they actually hold. Okay, so coming in literally from right here, I think it's the area that they were... And they've been shifted all the way back down here just north of Kyrgyzstan. Okay. This is going to give the Ukrainians an opportunity to actually advance. Like, just, just advance. Like, possibly. Okay. This right here might give the Ukrainians an opportunity to find a weak point inside the security. Push through, which could give them an opportunity to make some sort of headway if they can actually get through uh, Br Bruskinansk, which is just right here. I'm sure we jacked the name up, but you understand what I mean. This main route that leads all the way down into the northern side of Kyrgyzstan will be a big breakthrough on, on this side of the country. It looks like the Russians have actually kind of mounted a decent counteroffensive and actually held off the men from actually coming into Tamya Balka, like we talked about last week, and they weren't encircled. So that was one thing I was saying. I thought they would actually have to retreat back towards Kyrgyzstan itself so they not get encircled. They, Like I said, they have been pushing a lot of men into this area so they cannot lose it. Like, they cannot lose Kyrgyzstan. I just can't. So hope you guys did enjoy this episode over here. I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging on me. I will catch you guys here either tomorrow or the following day. Other than that, I'm out.